your student is going to live on campus, they will need twin extra long sheets. The first thing people get wrong. The first thing people get freaked out about. The majority of students who enroll in college don't graduate in four years. Is my kid going to make friends? Are they going to fit in? Are they going to find their people at college? Are they going to fail a class? Between Beth and I, we have worked in higher education for 50 years. We really think that there's some opportunity for some great dialogue. From Pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network, it's Twin XL, the podcast. Now here's your host, Laura DeVoe and Beth Grampetro. So a lot of us have, well, at least I do, <laughs> favorite stories of like times when people were trying to do a thing and they failed at it, but then it turned out to be something even better. Yeah. My favorite one is, do you know how post-its were invented? No. It was a guy, a scientist at 3M was trying to create a super strong adhesive, but he failed at that and made just kind of like a medium one. Okay. And figured out like, wait, people might want little squares of paper that like stick to stuff temporarily, but you can also pull them off. Oh. And now he's presumably now super he's rich. a gazillionaire. I don't know. Um, I like that. Yeah. But it's literally. It's not a failure. No. It, like it was in that, you know, if you measure it by what he was originally trying to do, he certainly did not. But it turned out okay. Yeah. Um, which is a nice little way to start yes. today's conversation. Things, things you thought were going to be sucky when they yeah. actually end up being okay. So I am Beth Grampetro. And I'm Laura DeBoe. <clears throat> and we are here on the Twin XL podcast uh, to talk to parents of college students. And today we're going to be talking about mental health and mm. also a little thing called resiliency. Oh, yay. Which is, a uh, yeah, Laura's getting excited because resiliency is a big... Buzzword. Like, buzzword. <laughs> yeah, buzzword alert. We need like a sound drop for Do when we, we say buzzword. Do we have a sound drop for buzzword? <laughs> <laughs> well, that God Almighty that sounds like <laughs> sound to the buzzword that, alarm. That's uh, um. <laughs> someone who has. Oh, that's oh, <laughs> that's neither of those. Oh boy. Anyway, now I have PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay. Um, you probably have heard the word resiliency mm. um, or heard something in the news about the mental health of college students. It's in the news a lot a these lot. days. Um, there's a few reasons for that. Mm-hmm. Um, on the one hand, um, there are a lot of students attending college now who do enter school with diagnosed mental health issues or a history of trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are folks who might not have attended college 10, 15, 20 years ago mm-hmm. Um or may have done so with a lot more struggle because, you know, there just weren't, like the services weren't quite there. Um, There wasn't necessarily this um, attitude that they should go to college. Um, I think there was a lot of um, public um, perception that people who were uh, struggling with mental health issues were not somebody that would achieve in college and should not be seen in that environment. And that goes with societal perceptions of mental health as a whole. But, you know, as people have, as that's changed, the population has changed. Absolutely. So now with um, the stigma around mental health issues still exists, but is shifting, um, particularly on college campuses and in certain parts of the population. um, And we've seen evidence, we, the two of us personally have seen evidence of a lot of students with mental health issues who have achieved at college and and done done quite well. Done quite well. Um, The other thing that's happening is that you know, other students, those who may not have a diagnosed issue, they're still going to be struggling with very typical developmental stuff. Um, young adulthood is a hot mess. Mm-hmm. I was a mess in college right here. Uh, yeah. Just going to admit it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and there are lots of times that I look back at 
stuff that happened in college. And I'm like, man, every single person who had to interact with me deserves like a fruit basket yep. for putting up with my dumb drama. An edible arrangement. Seriously, I should be sending cantaloupe in the shape of flowers <laughs> to like so many people. Um, but it's it's typical stuff. Everyone goes through it. Yeah. Um, and... And now it's more public. Yes, and it is way more public because of social media. Yeah. And also, there's just, um, unfortunately, some students just don't have great coping skills to no, manage it. No. And we're going to talk a bit about how you as the parent can help them with those things and also um, how colleges can be helping with those things. Mm -hmm. And then thirdly, um, failure, the reason why I let off with, you know, the, the, the post-it failure that was not a failure, failure is not celebrated no. um, and there's not a lot of space um, children these days are not being given a lot of space to fail no um, you out there listening parents might be thinking I'm doing that and if you are that's awesome um, but generally speaking it's there's a lot of nervousness around oh if they fail at this one thing in school they will not get into college etc 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 and so um, there's unfortunately not a lot of space for kids to fail and they are very afraid of doing so. Mm -hmm. um, and there are some different ways to manage all of these things. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> before we get into some of that, I'm going to throw some stats at you because I love stats. Um, <laughs> and stats are sexy. Stats are super, data is super hot. Anyway, I, uh, in a previous episode, have talked about the National College Health Assessment. Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about it again. We should get them as a sponsor. We totally should. Um, <laughs> I'll call Mary. <laughs> Mary is like the guru at ACHA. So call the American Mary. College Health Association has this survey called the National College Health Assessment. Hundreds of campuses use it. It's a wonderful data set about health behaviors of college students. And you parents can go look at it online if you want. There's national data on there that you can see. Um, so from fall 2018, which is the most recent data we have, um, here's just a couple things that students across the country said about how they felt at some point in the 12 months before they took this survey. So 22% of them were treated by a professional for anxiety and 17% of them were treated for depression. 62% of them felt overwhelming anxiety. 41% felt so depressed it was difficult to function. And 11% seriously considered suicide. Wow. Yeah. Um, those numbers uh, may sound very scary to mm -hmm. some folks. Um, to others, you may be thinking, yeah, not surprised. Whatever the case, it's definitely something that is on the minds of your students. It's on, it's on your minds, and it's on the minds of people mm -hmm. working with your students on different campuses. I would say, though, I think there's unfortunately some stuff in the media these days about, you know, calling this generation of, of students weak yeah. or, you know, kind of having this like, well, it wasn't like that back in the day. Um, it was, <laughs> we yeah. just weren't talking about it. We just didn't talk it. about it. And, and I think that, you know, I get, I get pretty pissed off when I hear this, this is a soft generation. This is a, this, this is a, that. I think that there are examples of where we have created that mm -hmm. feeling um, in that, you know, when you were talking earlier about the failure, uh, the fear of failure, mm -hmm. th that's not something people want for themselves. They don't want to be fearful, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to be afraid of anything. But when you look at what parents do to insulate their child from this feeling of failure, we're not helping. And, you know, you know, we, we, it, it's this collision of we're, we're creating this environment where we don't want them to fail, but at the same time, we're being very acknowledgement of their feelings 
okay? Mm-hmm. And now you heighten some of these other expectations. And like, I think it's this like kind of circular problem that I don't understand why I'm feeling so out of control. Well, maybe you're feeling out of control because you you have no control. Your parents have mm-hmm. taken all the control out of your out of you and they are they are putting you on some kind of propulsion track and that's why you feel this way. Um I am not a doctor. I don't play one on television um and this is one of those Lucy the doctor is in signs uh <laughs> kind of thing like peanuts cartoon. Do I have to give you a nickel before yes. you'll say this part? Yes, exactly. <laughs> um yeah, so it's a it's a challenging thing too for the parents of those students who might have a mental health issue that they're already aware of or a disability. Um, and we talked about this a bit in another episode that we've recorded today about um, privacy, privacy and communication mm-hmm, with mm-hmm, parents mm-hmm. and FERPA. That you know, especially those students who had an IEP or a 504 plan in yeah. your K through 12 years, um, parents are very involved in that. Yes, and there is a sense, understandably, of wanting to be involved um, with how your student is managing those things. Um, But there are some ways that you as the parent can transition them so that during college they are working toward being able to manage these things on their own. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I think that we will talk about that after a little break. Yes, absolutely. From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's Are You Not Entertained? The was I and and the am I entertained? Can I start that again? Sorry. (laughs) Am I entertained? I did it again. (laughs) Dumbass! Are you entertained? Ah! All right, sorry, sorry. It's Ed Nathanson. I'm here to give you the podcast that I've always wanted to do. That's talking about movies. That's talking about music, sports, pop culture. That's talking to some of the best people in employer branding around the world. Are you not entertained? Can I start that again? Welcome back. So we are talking about uh, student mental health and also resiliency. And um, we talked a little bit in our first segment about sort of the prevalence of mental health issues on campus and why it's a challenge for students and their parents to manage these things through um, the college years. I want to talk a bit more about the idea of resiliency and about um, a concept called growth mindset, Mm. which people may or may not be familiar with. I love this term. Growth mindset is great. I didn't know about it, and I didn't have one as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) I realized retrospectively I was like... You had no growth or no mind. I had a fixed mindset, which is the opposite, which I will explain what that is. But um, I want to give the caveat that like this stuff that I'm going to talk about in this segment uh, resiliency, growth mindset. This is all for healthy people. Yeah. In that, if your student is struggling with um, a mental illness or other hardship, and like is actively struggling and things are not settled, mm-hmm. um, this isn't going to work for them. Resiliency yeah. is not a coping strategy for um, trauma. It's not a coping strategy for like the serious stuff. Yeah. It's a coping strategy for day to day typical. Mm-hmm. I had a rough day. Yeah. Um, and they're two different things. Mm-hmm. Um. So growth mindset versus fixed mindset, um, and I will be putting some sources in the show notes about kind of where this idea comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to give the example of math because this was oh. absolutely where I had a fixed mindset as yes. a child. Because This it is was, why we get along. It was the yes. 80s and girls couldn't Could, do math. Girls couldn't do math. In the 80s. Um, so I was bad at math and that was it, mm-hmm. right? And yep. it, and I carried that notion with me through high school that I was bad at math. Mm-hmm. And that is an example of a fixed mindset that I am either good at this thing or bad at this thing, and that is a thing I cannot change. If you operate under a growth mindset, you think, 
I did poorly on that quiz, but if I work hard, I might do better. Yes. I have the ability to grow and change and learn new things is a growth mindset. God, that would have changed my entire adolescence. For real. Um, <laughs> no, seriously. It, like I, I literally think back and, and I'm now getting angry at yeah. what I could have been. Well, you and it's, it's interesting, and one of the resources I'm going to give to the listeners is um, there's actually a great uh, chart on this website about what to say to your kid instead of what you might say. Oh, yeah. So I've the notion of That's like, a it's a great chart, and one of the examples is don't say you're so smart. Right. Say you worked hard on this. Mm-hmm. And the reasoning behind it is a kid who thinks, who is just told that they are smart all the time, smart is a fixed thing. Mm-hmm. Like you either are or you aren't. Um, I was absolutely told you're so smart yeah. a lot as a kid. I was not. I was, yeah. <laughs> and either way, and that's the thing is like either way, right. if you're sort of commenting on your, on your kids um, abilities in that way, mm-hmm. instead of like really recognizing work and behavior, it yeah. does kind of get into their head as like a, Oh, I am smart. Therefore I should be able to do this or I'm not smart. And I, so I will never be able to do yeah. this. I was, I, I was the side of you're not good at this. Mm. And there was threats that went mm, along with it, yeah. including sending me to military school if I did not. Could you imagine me in military school? <laughs> no. Like, let's take a real hot second and just think about me in a uniform marching my ass around some parade ground. That is not happening. Not I hate happening. to, like, go back on what I'm saying here, but you you would not be good at military school. No. <laughs> That, that's okay in the fixed mindset of you I have a not, fixed mindset about you in military school yeah. and it's not a good and me, one. And me following <laughs> orders. I'm a rule follower by nature, but not an order follower. Oh, there's yeah. A difference. There are differences there. But I think that there's that layer of the growth mindset. You know, we talked earlier about f- soft, that, that idea mm-hmm. of like this is a generation that's soft. I, and that growth mindset, I think, has a public relations problem in that people hear them talk to their kids in that growth mindset way. And it's like, and they think because they were talked to by their parents in the, well, in these very definitive tones mm-hmm. and these messages that, like, you know, in order to raise a tough kid, you need to talk tough. And there's that, nothing I hate more, no. generationally speaking, than I suffered, I therefore, suffered you, therefore must you must too. suffer too. That is yeah. nonsense. No, that's bullshit. And, <laughs> and you know, and but there's there's a certain amount of sending this thing about working hard. Working hard is a great mm-hmm. message. And that is a great thing to be sending the message of your kid to be able to say there's not only when you work hard, that builds a sense of responsibility, that builds a sense of ownership, that builds a sense of who they are in their own growth, whether it be their growth around about, you know, what do they want as a vocation? What do they want in life? What makes them happy? And I just think the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset in the fixed mindset of emotional capacity of, well, you should like this. We all love music. Well, maybe I don't love music. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about this in a previous episode about you know their, their personal life and what's going to make them happy. And if you were somebody who was a rager in college and you really liked partying <laughs> and your kid's a board game kid, that's, that's not, th- that again, it's that, that idea of, well, if this is what I like, then you should like it too. That is a fixed mindset kind of parenting um, uh, kind of way to kind of get through parenting. That's not how it works. 
um, opening it up and opening up. What is the feeling? What do you want them to feel like? That's why I love the growth mindset is like, what do you want them to feel like? I want mm-hmm. them to feel confident. I want them to feel happy. I want them to feel like, okay, I have pot- I have great potential and I can do what I would like to do. I don't have to do this. And there's you know? a difference. Uh, these things go together, but they're not the same. A person for a person to be able to do something mm-hmm. and do it well, they need to have both competence, so mm-hmm. the skill, and they need to have confidence, yes. so the belief that they can do the skill. Yes, yes, and those go hand in hand. Yeah. The other thing, so how the idea of a growth mindset relates back to resiliency, or what some people call grit, like mm-hmm. having having grit is like being able to weather challenge. Yeah, um, this is a thing I I think about often with my own child who is only four, mm-hmm. but. I think about it already because there are times sometimes when she'll try a new thing and understandably it doesn't go well because it's the first time she's doing it and she's like, well, I can't. And so trying to have that conversation, I'm like, well, this is the first time you're doing it. Mm -hmm. The more you practice doing this, Mm -hmm. you will probably get better at it. Um, There's also the reality that sometimes we practice things and we don't get better at them. Yeah. And that's okay too. Um, But... And then you think you're really good at it. Yes. And you're and not. sometimes well, and there's and there's where like flashback yeah. to karaoke. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's like, no, don't sing that song. No, <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, We've no. all had that moment where they're putting up the oh, she's gonna sing I one moment in time. Here we go. I can't <laughs> watch like American no. Idol and karaoke is not very fun for me because no. like my the way that my I have this visceral reaction to people embarrassing themselves. Mm-hmm. In public, and like it just it like hurts me to watch no, that yeah. stuff. Anyway, <laughs> um, but so if you want to encourage um, your student to practice kind of dealing with the typical developmental challenges, and again, this is not the this is not the big hard bad stuff. This is I flunked a quiz in class, or I got a zero on a project, or whatever. Um, encourage those coping strategies. Mm-hmm. Talk with them now again. Um, what are their coping strategies? What do they do when they are not feeling okay about something? Whether it is they had a fight with their friend, their relation, they were dating a boyfriend or girlfriend and it ended. They did poorly on a project. What do they do? Mm-hmm. Do they talk to friends? Do they do breathing exercises? Do they like go get ice cream? Do they work out? Like right. what is it that they do? Remind them of those things um, because these are things that, you know, they may call you from campus one day when they are off at their first year and be like, yep. mom or dad, I, I did, I flunked yep. something. Remind them that they have stuff to turn to, right. um, whether it's friends or um, just a strategy that they use, journaling, reading a book, watching something mm-hmm. funny on TV, mm-hmm. get it, taking a nap, um, yep. whatever it might be. But also remind them that there are campus resources. Yeah. Um, and we're going to talk about this a bit more after the break when we talk about dealing with more serious issues. Mm-hmm. But resources are there for everyone on campus, not just someone who thinks they might have a mental health issue that needs a right. diagnosis. It's okay for your student to know where the counseling center is and go even once mm-hmm. just to check in and say, I, I had a rough couple of weeks it's and I really... Tune-up. It's a tune-up. Or like I like to think of it if if you don't get your teeth cleaned every six months, stuff builds up. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't talk it out in some environment, stuff yeah. builds up. And this is a wonderful time for you as the parent to normalize that. Even if you yourself don't utilize um, a therapist or anything like that, allowing your student to do that, letting them know like, hey, if you decide to do that, mm-hmm. I think that's perfectly fine and a good idea and it might be helpful to you, mm-hmm. um, will be really helpful down the road if they do in encouraging them to include you in that 
in that work if they need to do it. And I and I want to say because one of the things we were talking about earlier, Beth, about this this resiliency and the bounce back and and that sort of thing. Well, and this is I'm going to put up a bias alert here. Okay, <laughs> is that in my my 30 years working with students. This, the group, the overall like broad group, broad swath of students that is the most resilient group that I've worked with tend to be first generation college students, especially uh, those who have had jobs, which most of them do, coming into college. And you may be listening and saying, well, you know, I, everyone in my family has gone to college for the last 10, you know, 10 generations. This is, oh, am, am, is my kid going to be the kid that just crumbles? It's like, well, you can do stuff in advance of them enrolling in college. And the most important thing in my mind, again, bias, get a job. <laughs> like get a job and a job that's a tough job, not a job that's just, you know, kind of a, a virtual job. It's an actual job. Um, jobs are good because it teaches responsibility and it also teaches bounce back and it teaches, mm -hmm. you know, frankly, uh, some of the things that, that come up with, you know, disappointment in jobs and that sort of thing. Um, the other thing I want to say, though, another broad bias swath is while they may be, a lot of our first generation college students tend to be more resilient. One group of college students that don't seek out counseling as much as they need to are um, students of color. Mm -hmm. um, especially our African-American students, um, that tends to not be a big group of students that comes in and seeks out counseling and um, they need it um, because just like anyone else, um, this is going to be an important transition in their lives. And, and if they are a African-American student, uh, African student who is also first gen and their parents don't have a frame of reference in terms of what they're going through, they're not going to be able to get the source of support and the source of empathy from their parents back home um, because they just don't have, uh, I hate to call it the toolbox of references. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really important to, to turn on to these, these resources. Well, and that's, a, and that's a challenge. I mean, like, shoot, that's, again, I, I constantly am saying that's a whole other episode because these things are layered. Yeah. Um, for a lot of students of color, one of the challenges around seeking counseling on campus is a lack of diversity of the counseling yes, staff. Yes, um, and that's a, really hard. It's an ongoing problem. Yes, um, and understandably, students want to see a mental health professional with whom yeah. they can build rapport. Mm -hmm. And if that person doesn't understand the cultural context in which all of their stuff is happening, it's it's harder. Um, I'm going to link an essay in the show notes um, by a wonderful author uh, by the name of Samantha Irby. Um, you all should read her books. They're hilarious. But she has a great essay that appeared in, I forget, might have been Glamour, some some women's magazine, mm -hmm. but about, um, it's called Black Girls Don't Get to Be Depressed or yeah, something of that yeah. nature. And it's a really good exploration of like the cultural sort of um, issues around mental health in the black community mm -hmm. that um, I think people will find really interesting. Um, so let's take a little break and then we'll talk about what happens when it's, it's worse than the typical stuff. Yeah. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm here to tell you about an affliction that affects millions of Americans every year. It's growing and there's no end in sight. I'm talking, of course, about podcast envy. Hi, I'm George. I suffered from podcast envy. Sure, I had a podcast, but it wasn't the biggest deal. It was just insignificant compared to other podcasts. I felt so inadequate. Hi, I'm Buck. I felt myself consistently looking at other podcasts. They seemed so massive. My friends and I were finally able to conquer podcast envy when I found the Boston Podcast Network. They gave us a new podcast, a mighty powerful one too. They even gave it a name. 
Shawshanked. We finally had a podcast. One we could hold up high and be proud of. We were now able to whip out our podcast and expose it publicly. Thousands of people received our podcast on the internet on pod617.com. Some enjoy our podcast in bits and spurts. Many prefer to swallow it whole. Either way, don't wait any longer. Please act now. End your own podcast envy. Go to pod617.com and take hold of your own podcast. Find our podcast Shawshank. See if you can handle it. Don't be ashamed of your little podcast. Get a big one at pod617.com. Okay. Hope everyone had a nice break. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So we've been talking about mental health. We've been talking about grit and resiliency. And we've been talking about what that means for the typical student. So the Mm -hmm. student who might have a bad day but can get through it um, and learn some coping skills. What if your student has something more serious going on? Mm -hmm. This might be something that they um, already know about that you already know about, that they've maybe been dealing with for a long time. Also, though, college age is the age when some mental illnesses show up. Yeah. Um, and so and that's normal. That's very normal. Um, it doesn't have to do with being in college. It's mm. literally the age group of a traditionally aged college student is when like some things emerge for the first time. Um, and it can be a little bit nerve-wracking for them, for you as the parent and for the staff on their campus to be wondering like, oh, is this a situational depression or the beginning of something that Mm -hmm. they're going to be managing chronically? Um, But if you know your student has an issue that they're going to be managing throughout their time um, on campus, finding out what the resources are in advance um, and encouraging your student to make themselves known at the counseling center or disability services or Mm -hmm. both, Mm -hmm. like really early on, is such a great start. It's huge. Um, depending on your campus, you might be able during orientation to meet with these people yourself um, and to get an idea of what services they offer. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing to know is that um, when it comes to mental health counseling, a lot of campuses follow what's called a short-term solution-focused model, mm-hmm. which is a long way of saying. Um, they follow a model of counseling in which your student might be eligible for a limited number of sessions, Um It varies from campus to campus, but it's for the basics. It's for like, okay, Laura has come to campus and she broke up with her boyfriend and needs, yeah, which happens. Ooh, that's another one. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And needs some help, you know, learning again, learning some coping skills to get through tough times that she will then carry with her, you know, into the next semester, into her second marriage. (laughs) But um, this might mean that if your student is one who needs weekly or twice weekly sessions with a therapist, the campus counseling center may not be able to provide that. Mm -hmm. So they may have that conversation with you and say, we're going to find someone in the community near campus Mm -hmm. that can, that can serve that purpose for your student. Um, it's really good for you and your student both to have a clear understanding of what the campus resources do and do and don't do um, before the academic year starts. There's a lot of assumptions going in that this is Mm -hmm. going to be something where they can get literally twice a week for, you know, indefinite amount of time. And that there are very, 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 very few campuses where that's the case. Um, And, you know, building that partnership with the, the counseling staff, um, prior to your child's arrival and really encouraging the child to build that partnership with mm-hmm. the family um, and the counseling center is hugely important. Um, they should be known to the counseling center, even if they are going off campus, um, in in my opinion. And, yes. and uh, But they're 
they may be getting all of their their actual therapy sessions off campus. And maybe there's a, we talked in the FERPA episode about signing releases and things like that. A student could sign a release with their therapist to communicate with the on-campus counseling staff. Yes. Which I think is a very, very important thing to do, especially when they have maybe a more um, complex mental health issue. And this, again, is where it's so important for you as the parents to be normalizing the mm-hmm. use of these resources and really open to um, hearing from your student. Mm-hmm. Because if they go off to school with the impression that my mom and or dad or whoever wants me to be well mm-hmm. and wants me to use the resources available to me, then they are going to be more likely to include you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I have seen this time and again. I've unfortunately worked with many students over the years who even in the case of a mental health crisis, like maybe they went to the hospital for a mental health issue and I'll be saying to them, okay, can you please sign a release so I can talk to your parents? And they're like, I don't want to. My parents don't believe in therapy. Mm. I told them I was depressed and they made fun of me and said that I brought it on myself. not helpful. It's rare, luckily, but it still does happen that there are some folks out there that believe that. Um, I can't tell you what to believe, (laughs) but... No, no, I can judge you though. I might judge you a little, but know that... If you are, again, open and non-judgmental mm-hmm. <laughs> as much as you possibly can be with your kid, they are going to be the ones that when I say, hey, do you think you could sign a release so your parents can support you and I can talk to them? They'll do it. They'll sign on the dotted line immediately because mm-hmm. they know you've got their, that you've mm-hmm. got their back. Yep. And that's yep. really important. Um, and that's where from that relationship, you can really take the time to be a sounding board for them, listen to their concerns, but encourage them to manage things as much as they can mm-hmm. on their own. Um, when should you call though? Like mm-hmm. when, and I mean, again, if you listen to our episode about FERPA and privacy, we talked a little bit about why the college might call you. Mm-hmm. Um, when should a parent step in? I think that, you know, to be honest with you, I think a parent should step in when they're, they're, they, you've parented this child for their entire life. You know them better than anybody. If something seems off, call. Mm-hmm. And that is the most important piece of advice that I've ever given a parent. It's like, if you think, if your gut is telling you something, then do something about it. Um, I think that the, the, the other thing I would say is if there's a big change um, you should call the campus. So I have seen this where there's been a death in the family or um, f- um, the, I've seen this unfortunately way too many times, mom or dad comes down with, with cancer or some other kind of disease and their kid is already being treated for a variety of reasons, giving the therapist, giving the campus a heads up that a massive change is coming, mm-hmm. that is important. Um, and the last thing I would say is if you are aware that they're, if your child especially is on medication and they're not taking it and you found this out through whatever mechanism, that is important to, to let people know. Just say, look, I just want to let you know my kid is taking medication and they have not been on their medication because you're, you're aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a whole other conversation about when not to, you know, uh, th- there is nothing that is less effective than saying, you know what, my kid's been on medication their entire life and they've ha- been had therapy their entire life and we're going to go to college next year and I think we're going to just go it alone. We're, we're going to wing it. We're going to wing it. We're going to take them off the meds. We're going to say <clears throat> no more therapy. They have done it. They are going to fly. They are going to crash. And that that is, I have never seen that that work ever. No. Okay. Well, one thing though um, that 
you've highlighted here is that you, the parent, can tell people on campus anything you want. Yes. So even though you may call the, ca- the campus counseling center and say, hello, I'm, I'm concerned about my son, Dave. I want to know if he's coming to counseling. They can't, without a release, no, no. they can't even acknowledge if Dave is a client of the counseling center. Correct. But what you can do Either you may know that Mm -hmm. your student has been going to counseling because they told you, or you may not know. You can always call and say, hi, I don't know actually if my son Dave is a client of your counseling center or not, but this is his deal. This is his full name. He's a junior. This is his major. And I have observed this. Like our last few phone calls, he's been seemed very depressed or he says he's not going to class, whatever it might be. You can share that information. The counseling center will probably just be like, great, thank you and not acknowledge anything because they can't. Mm-hmm. But what that helps with is that if the if Dave is a client, they're going to tell whoever he's seeing, hey, we got a call from mom and mom is concerned about these things. And it gives the counselor information that they can use when they are helping the student. Right. If the student is not a client, if the information you shared is still something that's actionable from like, a, oh, he's not been to class in a week, there can still be informal check-ins. They might then call Residence Life if, and say, hey, can you just have the RA like stick their head in Dave's room and say, hey, Dave, how you doing? Yes. Th- that well-being check is huge. Yes. Yes. Um, so never hesitate if you observe, as Laura said, first of all, if there's a big life change at home, a sick parent or grandparent, mm-hmm. a job loss, a move, a divorce, mm-hmm. anything that's going on, don't hesitate to share that information. Mm-hmm. But also if you visit or call or communicate with your student and you think something is, feels off here, mm-hmm. it is okay to call and tell someone. And it's and, and you need to look too. I mean, there are times where if you do a, a for instance, this came up with, with one of these uh, wellness check or well-being checks that my staff did mm-hmm. one time. And... The parent actually was very intuitive. Parent said, I need you to just check on my kid. If you find them in their room, can you tell me what the room looks like? Is it neat? Is it dirty? What is it? I'm like, okay. We found the kid in the room and blinds blinds were shut, lights off. Room has not been cleaned in days. It was like a despair It was like a, yes, exactly. Mm -mm. And the parent said, okay, on my way. Like, and that's all the parent needed was that they knew the kid took themselves off their medication. The kid knew, Mm -hmm. they knew the trigger signs, the warning signs that this was not an, an, an important piece of, of, this was not, the kid was not in a good spot. Um, And, you know, now this was in the days before FaceTime where you could probably just do it yourself and just say, I need you to show me your room on the phone. Um, But, you know, those are those things when you know your kid and you know, you know what they're into and what are some of the warning signs that they're they're not doing mm-hmm. well. Those are things to communicate to mm-hmm. us because we're not going to judge you on it. We're not going to say that that oh well that's disgusting or that's oh that's awesome. Like no, tell us. You know, if your kid's a slob, conversely, fine. if your kid's a <laughs> slob and we go to the room, you're like, well, that was thing was cleaned up, pins and needles, like perfect and they're like yeah that's not right I'm on my way you know I mean there's there's going to be that side too yeah I had the flip side happen once where a mom called me and was like my daughter has the flu Mm. she is so deathly ill she cannot even get out of bed just all this stuff and finally was like I need someone to go check on her and I was like cool I'll, I'll have someone do that so I sent the resident director and he came back within five minutes and was like 
she's sitting in the lounge with her friends watching TV and eating popcorn. Right, right exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh, she couldn't oh, get she out of bed last get I heard. Bed last I heard. So Maybe sometimes it, things are not as they seem. Same. Yes. <laughs> but um, really, you know, the deal here is communication, communication, communication mm-hmm. um, between you and your student, between you and the college in, um, in judicious and useful ways. Yeah. And really finding out before the school year starts, like, what can you expect um, as far as resources available to your student? And when should you call? Yeah. Um, and ask them that because every campus is going to have a little bit of a spin on this that's different. But like having some idea when they would love to hear from you and what's helpful to them mm-hmm. um, in terms of the information you have about your kid who you know best, um, that's going to help you and your student get through the year. Absolutely. Uh, so growth mindset. Yes. And have... and. Read about growth mindset in the show notes. Yay. Um, so if you want to ask us more questions or suggest topics or tell us how great this podcast is or whatever, um, you can tweet at us at TwinXLPod. You can email us at TwinXLPod at gmail.com. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, tune in for one of our upcoming episodes. And we'd like to thank our wonderful producer, David Yaz. This is a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. It's producing. That's what it is.